Things change from one generation to the next. Attitudes, politics, technology, even lifestyles. But when it comes to business, there's one thing every generation has in common. The pursuit of excellence. Welcome to Generation Excellence. A conversation with next-gen leaders of family businesses who are working to preserve the past and innovate the future. And now, here's the host of Generation Excellence and a third-generation business owner himself, Jamie Michelson. Jamie? I'm excited to introduce you to a family business that has been a force in rebuilding Detroit, Advanced Plumbing and Heating Supply Company. I sat down in their award-winning Metro Detroit showroom with not one family member, but four. Jeffrey Moss, third-generation owner, and his three sons, Josh, Andrew, and Justin, and their dogs, to talk about the company's past, present, and future. Please enjoy this unique dynamic and look into a thriving 99-year-old, yes, 99-year-old family business. So again, welcome. Thank you. Uh, Because we have multiple people here and voices, if you could do a little quick go around the room and introduce yourself and, and just what you do with advanced plumbing and heating. We'll add an intro to the podcast later. Okay. Uh, I'm Joshua Moss, Vice President of Advanced Plumbing and Heating Supply Company, um, responsible for designing both showrooms, managing them, updating them, uh, along with various other roles in the company. Everybody wears a lot of hats, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, I'm Andrew Moss. Theoretically, marketing consultant, though that title is a little bit fluid. I do a little bit of everything on the back end from technology, um, human resources, um, some of the accounting, financial stuff. Uh, like I said, wearing a lot of hats, whatever, wherever they need me. Great. And I'm Jeffrey Moss, I'm president of Advanced Plumbing, and I am Joshua, Justin, and Andrew's father. And obviously, I oversee the operations. Proud father having your Proud sons father, in, the, in the business. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I know you guys have, I mean, there's, I've, I've seen some videos, uh, Jewish News interview, Curbed, other things, you know, about rebuilding Detroit and all of that and what's going on here in the last few years with this showroom. But if you if you would, take, take me back, what is it, 99 years? Uh, so you're getting ready for the 100th. I'm sure there's a whole, you can have a whole separate discussion about, about that. But... Just talk about the, the founding of this company, what the, those stories that have been captured and passed down and now recorded here. And, and I guess, what were kitchens and bathrooms like 99 years ago? Well, Advanced Plumbing started in 1920 by my grandfather, Harry Churick, okay. my mother's father. He was a licensed master plumber. And he started, it was really a, you know, pipes, valves and fittings. He sold toilets and water heaters. He started in 1920, and they called that the Roaring Twenties. Yep. Apparently, the city of Detroit was booming, and uh, my uh, my fa- grandfather uh, started getting into the plumbing business. So, uh, totally different than it is today. It wasn't really a decorative plumbing business. There were toilets and sinks and faucets, but uh, they were pretty basic back then. And uh, he um, had a, a location at the corner of Grand River and the Lodge Freeway. It wasn't the lodge yet, though. It wasn't the lodge. Before the lodge freeway was built, that is correct. Right. Before the freeway was built. Um, He had a location there, and actually when the lodge freeway was built, my grandfather um, donated, or they bought, three quarters of the building at the corner of Grand River and Lodge to build the lodge freeway. And he always stayed at the corner of Grand River and Lodge. Even years later, my father stayed there as well, uh, would not move from that location, and we... 
throughout the years had different uh, warehouse locations uh, in the city of Detroit to uh, help accommodate uh, all of our materials that we had. But we always kept our presence at the corner of Grand River in the Lodge Freeway. Obviously until about uh, four years ago when we finally did relocate to Midtown Detroit. Um, I think uh, in the city of Detroit, things were good through the 20s. And uh, my grandfather, uh, he survived through uh, World War One and World War Two, and he survived through the Great Depression. And uh, you know, he made it through the city of Detroit through the riots. And uh, he's seen a lot of ups and downs, sure. both good and yeah. bad over the years. I mean, so what? So I mean, that you now our, our company celebrated 90 years this year. And I guess it teaches you that there's cycles and all that. But so Roaring Twenties, Depression, all that. I mean, what are the stories of kind of making it through the tougher years in Detroit? Well, just... one of the stories that I've been told is, uh, you know, during the war, uh, steel was at a, a premium. It was sure. very difficult. Game. We said back then steel was important. We had black pipe and galvanized pipe and you needed steel pipe in order to, to build. And it was an extremely hard thing to get because it was a very, there was a shortage. And uh, my grandfather would drive to the steel mills and uh, with a box of cigars to persuade them to sell him a load of steel. So he could have some steel that he could sell because it was so hard to get. Interesting. Yeah. And so for, you know, I mean, you know, we all know that the statistics and the percentages and, you know, businesses that make it and are not just surviving, but thriving in the fourth generation and all that. What what are like those sayings or stories or things you heard that go back to kind of the roots of this company that you post on the wall or website or repeat or are there any? There's photos, right? There's historical images. I mean, you've got the roots of the building and the yeah. We have historical images. We have historical products. Okay. The time period. My brother's got a bunch of old fittings at. They don't make any more decorative fitting ribbons on them and everything. Um, I mean, one thing. I mean, one thing. We, you know, I, I would say that we never gave up on the city of Detroit. My grandfather didn't give up the city of Detroit. My dad never gave up on the city of Detroit. And a lot of other companies moved out. Yeah, they we moved were one. away. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he just never stayed. He, he wanted to be down here. Um, he had his customers, generation customers. You know, the, the grandfather worked with us, bought from us, the father bought from us, their kids buy from us, and uh, and, and the, they really appreciate the fact that we never gave up on the city of Detroit. You know, obviously Bill Bond said the last one out of the city shut off the lights. Yeah, roll up the sidewalks, all yeah. that kind of stuff was yeah, out there. But. And uh, we've been through thick and thin, we've been through it all, uh, we've seen it all, but one thing we didn't do is uh, we didn't give up. Uh, he, he stayed through it all. And... Um, and it took off 50 years and we're, we're finally uh, reaping the benefits of it, you know? And you can say it's, uh, it's locked, you can say what you want, but uh, we paid our dues, we feel, being down here 50 years. And, and what's happening now is a once in a generation thing happening. It's, uh, uh, my father would, would be shocked if he saw what was happening The rebuild, rebirth, the renaissance, the, yep. Yeah, when they grew up, they grew up in the city of Detroit, in you know, the Hudson's building. My mother tells stories about she would be dropped off on a Saturday and she would spend all day in, in the Hudson's shopping and be in a toy section. And uh, and obviously uh, they, they saw a vibrant, wonderful city of Detroit. 
which obviously our generation did not see that until now. In fact, you know, I, I've experienced uh, both the good and the bad. Fortunately for, for my kids, they really are only seeing uh, good things in the city of Detroit. So the company was called Advance from day one. Day one. It's a brilliant name to kind of keep you moving and thinking and not resting on laurels and, and all that. Uh, is there, you know, when you talk about family businesses and they call it succession, call it continuity, whatever, how orderly or wasn't that from the founder to your grandfather to your father, you know, all, and even stuff that you're talking about now? Can you repeat that question? Just, I'm how orderly or not was the continuity or oh. succession planning and ability to have, you know, have those things be planned or it stuff was, happened? It was a rocky road. Uh, my grandfather, um, I'm named after my, my grandfather, Harry Chernick, because uh, I was born in 63 and he passed away in 62, unexpectedly. Okay. So he was running the company and my father was in the, in the business for about four years at that point, four or five years. And then all of a sudden my, my grandfather passed away and my dad, uh oh, he was in charge. Not so, an uncommon story. Yeah, happens. Uncommon. Yeah. So he, he ran the business for about, uh, oh, oh, 42 years. We have about 42 years. And he ran the business obviously uh, until uh, he was no longer able to do it. And obviously we lost him. Um, but uh, succession planning has been, you know, a difficult, rocky road. Every generation's had had situations there. There's never a perfect scenario, never a perfect solution for that we have found so far. Obviously, for the next generation, we're hoping that we learn from the previous two generations. Uh, it's a business evolving. The business is always changing. The business is growing. Um, you know, different family members get involved in the businesses, and, and different family members. Uh, uh, do different parts of the business. Some partake in it more, and some partake in it less. And, you know, so it, it's a challenge finding a, a, a nice common ground where everybody can agree on, on how the succession should go. Got it. Anything that you guys want to talk about in, in that area? You know, the perspective from the different generations. <laughs> As I said, I'm a student. Of, I mean, I live this, and I'm a student of this stuff. So it just it, I, I find it kind of fascinating. I believe that the best way of family business is just going to thrive with all these different people. Hello, Justin. Hello, Justin. I figured that out. I feel like the best way that all family businesses are going to survive, or how we are going to survive, is we all we have all found our little our little niche. We're not all doing the same thing, so we're not stepping on each other's toes. We're not fighting about different ideas because we are doing different areas where uh, my dad's overseeing everything. I got myself mainly doing the showroom part of it all. I have my brother, Justin, who is mainly doing the pipe valves and fittings, the contractor side. And then I have Andrew here, who is doing more of the marketing and some of the back end stuff too. So we all found our little niche here. And um, I believe that with us in all different departments, we can all come together and help grow the company that way. So we have our strengths in different areas. Um, and then we band together to grow the company better. I felt like if we were all in the same area, we'd be a lot of budding heads, but we, I believe we successfully get along so well because we are in different Assuming you guys kind of grew up in the business, right? Coming into the showrooms, learning the, the products, the knowing your customers. Uh, where was there from any of you? Was there any thought about doing something different? Always, 
plan A, plan B. I was okay. doing something different. So you were. I thought the easy way out was going to be coming into a family business. Oh, your your family's got an established um, business. Right. Why are you in college? Why are you working hard? Just go into family business, and that is what it is. So that's how I my friends always looked at it. Mm-hmm. And so I said, I'm going to become a lawyer. Let's become a lawyer. That's not the easy way out. I actually have to do more schooling and everything. Um, and then two weeks before that, I was going to take the LSAT. I was like, what am I doing? Doing this because I want to prove something. So somebody I really else don't want to do this. I really want to be in the family business. I love the plumbing. I'd be fourth generation. I'd be extending 90 plus years of history. And I joined. Great. Graduated college two weeks later. I joined the plumbing business. Never got my law degree. Never took the LSAT. And here I am. Seven years later. What do you got, Andrew? I'm interested. <laughs> um, so I'm actually kind of in and out of the business. Okay. Um, you know, I'm actually starting a new job next week outside full time. Um, you know, I have a degree in urban planning. I have an M- I'm going to have an MBA in May. Um, so my passion is really more in the real estate urban development side, um, which you know I think is heavily influenced by being in a family business that's been exclusively about you know rebuilding the city and maintaining the city. Um, but you know, it's, for the listeners, we're surrounded by rebuild Detroit pieces. So yeah, yeah. So you know, I it's kind of been one of those things where no matter how far away I go from the business at any point, it seems like I'm always in close proximity to it. Um, And, you know, there's always kind of that option of let's come back into it if that's where I find my passion to be. I'm a family business boomeranger. I, in it, went and got experience elsewhere, came back to it. So totally under, understand. Yeah, for me, we had uh, a big part of our family was part of the Frank's Nursery. Okay. And my grandfather, my great grandfather, uh, owned uh, Frank's, and then my uh, uncle, Uncle uh, uh, Isidore Shear, uh, went into the business. And then uh, his kids um, decided that they weren't interested in the business, Frank's, and they all wanted to become lawyers. And so at that point, they sold the business. And once the business was sold, then the boys decided they didn't like the law so much. And the family business was gone. Yes. So at that time, I was a lot younger, going to Wayne State University, getting a degree uh, in business. And I said, uh, I don't want that to happen. I don't know that we want to lose a family business. So I said, uh, I got two sisters that aren't going to go into business. I'm the only son. This business is going to continue. Then I need to go into the business. So I didn't want to lose a business. I didn't want to let the business go. I looked at the other family members that let a business go, and then they had nothing. So I felt it was necessary for me to go into family business and to keep it going. Great. So the legacy is super important, obviously. Yeah. Uh, I have. You have sisters too, or this is it? Do you guys? Okay. Three sons. I, I have three sisters, two of whom are I work in our business with. Okay. Uh, and we get along great most of the time, and we're able to have boundaries between work and the business. So you're all together, not here, family things. Are they board meetings like this at this table, or are you able to talk about, uh, I don't know, boating or something no, else? our lives are work, period. <laughs> family meals, family dinners, it tries to go off topic, it always comes back to work. Are there eye rolls from others who aren't here every day Our when that's going on? Okay. My wife, Justin's wife, my wife, Andrew's soon-to-be wife, my mom, everyone. <laughs> Yeah, it's all about business, but we try our best. I, 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 we try to keep that I'm not judging, but so many hours of our lives are dedicated to this, and so many ideas can come up between the four of us. Sure. That 
we want to tell everybody else, and it doesn't necessarily mean that the other person's going to respond. <laughs> but uh, it's always good to get it off your chest, and I think. Oh. I try. This is free therapy. This session. <laughs> <laughs> so, what, I mean, I try not to talk about work outside of work. I mean, I try because I do. I do believe in a healthy lifestyle of a balance between work and balance between enjoying yourself. But when you're in a building industry and you're involved in the community that you're involved in. No matter where you go, people are always asking sure. you plumbing questions. Because you sell toilets, you sell sinks, you sell faucets, water heaters, you repair this stuff. So people are always continuously asking you. You bump into clients and designers and builders everywhere, and they all have questions. It can be Sunday morning, it could be Saturday night at a wedding. It happened to me this weekend. No matter where you go, your friends are asking you questions. I mean, we're all at the age where our friends are buying houses. so every day someone's asking us something outside of work and i guess uh, both good and bad you've been in business 99 years uh everybody in the community knows you yeah you're known so you can't go anywhere with them with and you, you have a critical eye i assume when you're out and you look at things they are your world that other people wouldn't notice you don't go to a house and look at countertops the first thing you notice is is they're plumbing good because you can always tell you a million dollar house it could look beautiful drywall the countertops you really know the true value of that house hmm. when you see that plumbing. Very interesting. So 99 years, you're doing some planning for ways to recognize, celebrate, memorialize the 100th, I assume. Yes. That's probably one of the marketing rules. Uh, yep. What, so at 100, 105, 110, what, what, what are you talking about? What are you thinking about? What does the, the, the business look like? Well, see right now we're in uncharted territories. This is the city of Detroit doing something we've never seen in our lifetime, okay. unprecedented. We're having uh, lofts, apartments, condos, historical homes being built. The Hudson's building, God willing, hopefully it'll be the tallest building, we don't know. Um, there's unprecedented things going on in the city of Detroit that we haven't had in, in two generations now. So um, we are uh, you know, wrapping our, our hands around that one, trying to uh, understand it, uh, how to, to grow with it, because it's growing at a really rapid pace right now. Um, and uh, it's taking us into areas that uh, uh, we didn't necessarily ever you know, expect it to go to. You know, uh, although we have a beautiful showroom in the suburbs in Walt Lake, we never had that in Detroit. And now we are selling things we have not sold in 50 years in the city of Detroit. That's great. We're selling things we've never sold in the city of Detroit, period. Like the bathtubs faucets it's no one's really modeled anything in the last 50 years so now people are finally remodeling it. right so houses have been torn down but others are being rebuilt remodeled. renovated remodeled yeah we brought in products that people have never seen before we're re-educating the city of detroit where back in 1990s where the decorative plumbing industry became big and everything started to from europe and asia and everything my dad was responsible for educating all those customers back in the 90s here we are, you think everyone in Detroit would be educated on this new stuff. Well, 30 years later, no. So we're reintroducing all the brand new products from around the world to all our consumers in Detroit. Re-educating them, understanding, re-teaching them the value of a quality product versus installing a $5 faucet, for example. So people realize now they have money and they don't have time. Back in the day, they had time, but no money. So right. they could work all day on a faucet. Now it's like, I got 10 more jobs to go to. I'm gonna throw in a new faucet for $80 instead of working on this and for three hours and buying parts for 20 bucks in and out. So it's, it's, it's changed. 
and we're not Chicago, we're not New York, so we never had the opportunity to to bid on and select products for high rises with apartments and lofts, condos, everything. And now, for the first time in, in, in our generation, we have a city of Detroit that is building those kind of projects. Yes. Very exciting. We've never it's had great. that before. So that's a whole new new uh, you know concept that's going on right now. And we're obviously trying to be a big part of that and be really involved in it from, from the ground floor to help make Does that mean a whole new set of competitors? Uh, well, yes, absolutely. You know, the competition sees what's going on and they want to be a part of it. And, uh, but fortunately, uh, you know, um, we've been down here for nine years. We've positioned ourselves really well. Um, obviously, uh, we saw a change happening and we reacted very quickly. Uh, we put in the city of Detroit's first ever decorative plumbing showroom. Uh, a lot and of only. And only. only to this day, it's only. Uh, our location is a premier location, which is uh, amazing and very fortunate that we, we received and got this location because at the time we were looking at it, we didn't know how great it was going to be. It turns out to be probably the best area in the city of Detroit to put a, a decorative plumbing showroom. And people told us we were crazy. We're nuts. You know, I never thought I'd see the day that we would have a decorative showroom in Detroit. Um, and people thought we were we were crazy at what we were doing. No, I think that's great stuff to have multiple times where people tell you you're crazy. I mean, it usually probably means you're onto something. So we're sitting at this table, we got, I don't know how many laptops, six smartphones, less, fewer people. Talk about technology as it impacts this business and you have shh, these beautiful showrooms, but then people come in and they're peeking at Amazon on the side, I'm assuming on the consumer side. So how is technology impacting or will this business over the next few years or how are you how are you thinking about or wrestling with that so the internet has has changed completely changed everyone's shopping habits completely everything from your basic necessities from toilet paper all yep. the way up to buying food to buying now plumbing clothing and everything um so with that we have sort of repositioned ourselves so we're we're highly trained we train our sales staff once a week every single week a new manufacturer comes in so having knowledgeable sales staff helped us separate from the competition over the internet. Keeping showrooms up to date and being able to see the product live, see, feeling, and touching it. So creating interactive showrooms to give someone a better experience than shopping online. And then it's always about relationships as well. So you always want to have a nice, good, develop a good relationship. You want to make sure that your designer, your builder, your customer trust you. You're giving them all the knowledge and expertise um, so they don't go online. A lot of people, it's not like buying a pair of pants. You buy a pair of pants, that's all you need. When it comes to plumbing, you buy a shower valve, you need the rough valve There's behind a whole it. lot of, There's stuff yeah. behind it. There's all sorts of parts, and a lot of people that go online don't understand that part, and they, they do it once, they do it twice, and realize, oh crap, I needed this, I needed this, I needed this, and they realize the value of coming in here. Um, we've, we've also brought on some more exclusive products that are not allowed to be sold online or that are map policy protected, meaning they can only be sold online for so much, a certain percentage off. So that keeps us competitive still. So I can sell that same discount or even give someone a better discount for coming into our store. So we've done a lot of things to make us um, to make us better, to better us compared to our competition, other brick and mortars, and from the internet as well. But in addition to that, we do have internet presence. Yes. Do have internet presence to also be competitive as well. Um, we don't believe the internet. Internet presence to the level of e-commerce. Yes. yes. We don't okay. believe the internet is, is an evil. We don't believe right. that. I mean, it's a, yes, it's our competition, 
but it's here to stay. And we believe that we need to be on all different avenues and all platforms in order to be successful as a company. We got us around the internet. We're doing uh, our brick and mortar shops. We have um, online purchasing for our plumbers too. They can go online and place orders through our website as well. So we're doing all these things online. And as our competition changes and our even big competitors, we are evolving, even though we're a smaller company, we're evolving to be competitive with some of those bigger players out there as well. Great. But I also think there's kind of, the internet is less a function of technology being present and more a function of how customers are shopping for plumbing and okay. other home improvement products these days. You know, people are not necessarily doing that same kind of full renovation that they did in the early 2000s when we had a housing boom. People now are saying, all right, you know, I want to replace this one sink, this one faucet, this one shower head. What can I, how can I get that? And they're going and replacing one or two things at a time. And we also have a kind of this renewed presence of people doing DIY projects. They're not bringing in a designer or a builder. They're building it themselves. They're doing the entire renovation themselves. And they're making a lot of mistakes on it, but that's kind of their yeah. process. Learn it's it's so, making home. So, uh, you know, if I go, it used to be when you went to a public place, they had like, um, Fox or CNBC or one of those things on screens, but then that got political. So now anywhere you go, it's HGTV or yes. DIY is sort of considered the friendly middle ground. Uh, how are those, all that programming, how has that helped or hurt your business? Um, it's helped by it's helped by sh getting all the trends out to the customers. So the customers can see the trends, see the new products that are coming out. What it's been the hardest part is, is these shows that are only on for a half hour or an hour, they make a renovation seem very easy. The before or after and is. And they make it seem very quick. So we have a lot of customers coming with expectations where it should be easy to do and it's going to be quick. But little do they know that you're gutting a 1920s house. You have old galvanized piping, you have rotted wood. There's all these unknowns that these shows don't show you Yeah. that exist out there. Do you watch them? We do watch them. Okay. I watch them because you need to, I, we're in the business. Like which ones do you enjoy? I'm just... All of them. Oh, I watched them all. I mean, this old house, we've, we've done stuff with them. Yeah, this old house. Oh, when they came we, here, yeah. particularly I mean, have, um, this old house came to Detroit. We have Detroit Rehab Addict here in Detroit. Yeah. Cole Curtis is here. Uh, but I mean, John, Chip and Joanna Gaines, everybody loves them. Yeah, the property too. brothers, everyone loves them. And they make everything seem easy, which is great. But at the end of the day, there's a lot more work that goes in behind the scenes that these people don't see. So it's always a challenge trying to get people to understand that. I also think it drives a certain expectation about what kind of product you're putting in. Because when you watch these shows, they don't always focus so heavily on a bathroom or the, you know, the fixtures in a kitchen. But then when people go to do their own renovation, they put in whatever fixtures they find, they realize there actually is a noticeable difference. Sure. So it's kind of finding that ability to say, you're doing this expensive renovation. Well, your fixtures, like Josh said, you go into a house, you see cheap fixtures. It's the same thing people are doing that they have to recognize HGTV is not the best indicator of what quality product is you see it when it's done you don't see it a year after someone's lived in it yeah how well it holds up and it's a look sometimes it's right it's a true statement yeah <laughs> that's what they always said about the uh, houses that they finished in seven days yeah they said the eighth day everything fell apart <laughs> <laughs> kind of like a movie set yeah. facade yes exactly. uh, you know but, uh, any, you seem excited about the future. You're bullish on the future. We're all probably cautiously optimistic, that kind of stuff, right? Of course. Any, any, anything, threats on the horizon or anything you're worried about or thinking about for the future? I mean, I have 
always thinking about the future and as far as a company goes and expanding. There's always something that I've seen as something I would love to do in five, ten years, as long as the economy stays strong. Um, as far as the future goes, I mean, the future does look bright right now. It is very scary with the tariffs and everything that's going on, the back and forth. Um, it has affected a lot of our, our, our lines that we carry. Um, it has affected a lot of our builders as far as having to absorb some costs or having to tell builders, hey, they just hit us with a 5% tariff. We have to pass on to you. Well, why, didn't you why, why didn't we order this a month ago when we didn't know about it? We don't know tariffs are happening either. We wake up and the tariffs are in effect and we don't know what to do and we have to pass on the cost. Our vendors are doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it to you. So it's, um, that's the most uncertainty I think for tariffs. But realistically, no, there's nothing scary in the horizon right now. I'm well, right. this is a global economy going on right now. And the city of Detroit uh, and Michigan, for that matter, is really was, is really automotive related. They're tied so tight to the automotive. And historically, um, there's been big ups and big downs. And when the economy tanks, automotive is the first to go and takes us that takes the entire state of Michigan down. And uh, that's been a concern. We're usually the first one in the, into the recessions and the last one out of the recessions. And it, it's a bumpy road and it's brutal. And it takes a lot of people down with them. So over the years, we've been really cautious on how we go to market in that we, we try to, to not put all our eggs in one basket ever. Um, for instance, track housing. We've always dibbled and dabbled, but never went heavily into track housing because the minute the economy goes, track housing shuts off and you, you're done. So we do a lot of different things from you know remodeling and renovating, some new construction, high-end new construction, commercial, uh, so we try to do a little bit of everything to insulate us as much as possible from these highs and lows because uh, Michigan and City of Detroit in particular is extremely vulnerable to it and they, when we fall, we fall hard. So we fortunately have survived through all the, these recessions and depressions that we've had you know, by obviously uh, diversifying ourselves to the best, the best of our ability. Now this next one, God only knows, because now we have a City of Detroit like we've never seen before. Right. So uh, we don't know what, uh, hopefully it's nowhere, you know, coming soon, but we don't know what the next recession is going to bring. And it is the state of Michigan and Detroit more diversified now and from the automotive. And will we be able to, uh, you know, fight it a little bit easier this time? Hopefully. Yeah. So in light, in light of all that, I mean, just as you all operate a business today and for the future, talk about how do you make, talk about how you make decisions when it's family and generational and collective. So we do copy each other on almost every email we okay. sent out, which is interesting to see that happen this summer. Do but, others within the organization do that as well? Um, yeah, they're starting to. They're okay. starting to send to multiple people. But um, when I stated earlier that we all have our own departments, so we try to keep clear that, like, lanes and areas. Clear lanes, right. so meaning that if Justin wants to bring in some new innovative product on the counter side, a pipe, a valve, fitting a pump, um, usually we sit down, we'll discuss it together, but usually we leave Justin make that final decision. We make sure we're not doing any redundancies. We're not bringing in the same pump from someone else, the same sort of chemical or something. But Justin really stays in his lane. He's the one on the front and center talking to the contractor, so he really has an idea of what he needs. Same thing me on the showroom side. I know kind of what we need to bring in. Um, Andrew's been working closely with the marketing team, so he has his department, but we all bounce ideas off each other. And then usually whatever we want to do, we make we get the okay from the guy on top to make sure that he's okay with it all. Um, but the one thing my dad has done well, and I, and I 
have to give it to him. He really has let his sons do what they want to do. He's let them grow. He's let them fail. He's let us make mistakes. He's told us how to fix mistakes. He's really been that's great. He's been hands off and hands on at the same time. Um, he, he's push. He wants to push us to make the right decisions. Um, people come to him for a question. He doesn't want to really answer it. Go to Josh. Go to Justin. Go to Andrew. Let them give you the answer. If it's an issue that we've never encountered before or a problem, then we go back to our father and say, "Hey, this is the first for us. How have you handled this in the past? Or this customer is getting irate with us. What's the best route to handle this?" So he's really he's coached us to figure out the solution. If this happens, then what? And then he's really put my dad's done a great job too of putting different management in place, which is awesome. We have a warehouse manager, we have a counter guy manager, we have a showroom manager, we have office managers, accounts payable department. So God forbid when something happens, right? We he's put so leaders in place. so family that's leading a business but still with other key leaders and yes, working together exactly so i i got similar advice from my father you're going to make mistakes you know let you make mistakes you know try to minimize them mm-hmm. and all that so any favorite mistakes why is everybody looking at me i'm looking at you <laughs> i don't know who did any uh my second week here um i got very fed up with a company we work closely Zero. with um, they they help us with all of our back end technology. Second weekend, I got upset with them. I probably was a little less tactful than I should have been, and ended up saying, "Look, we're we're not going to work together anymore." Um, so it was one of those things where, of course, I was devastated because if anything happens on the technology side, you know, we were kind of up a creek without a paddle. Um, so he kind of said to me, "Look, I'm not sure what they were doing for us. I don't know if it was great. I don't know if it was if it was awful. I don't know." We've never done this before, but we're gonna see what happens. Let's let's figure out our support system around it and go for it. But I thought for sure it was like two weeks in, you're gone. Like we we can't have this anymore. But it's one of those things we just kind of let. Fortunately it for him, his older brother already you know crushed a relationship. So uh, this when we damage this relationship, I've seen this before. So. I just have to pick up the pieces, do damage control. That was not intentional. <laughs> Neither was mine. It was Andrew. So you want to elaborate on yours? I, we, we do business with other wholesalers. Okay. And um, we, this particular wholesaler, I'm not going to say anything, this particular wholesaler has been changing our contact within their organization for checking stock, POs, placing orders, asking questions, etc. And we had great service for about six years. And we started, we got a new guy, and it was, it was really rough. We couldn't get lead time. We he didn't really know the product at all, so we were struggling. So I figured I'd ask for a manager, talk to someone a little bit above them, just say, hey, we love working with you guys. We had a great relationship, we've had great service, but for some reason, something's going on with this guy. We're not getting the service we had. Hey guys, let me look into it, we'll get back to you. Well, 15 minutes later, the manager called me and ripped me, our company, a new one. Swearing in it, how dare you, we're, we're so-and-so, we don't Visual or wholesalers, we don't like you anyway, and they basically closed our account and cut us off. And yeah. we were like, "Wow, we just were giving constructive feedback. We just wanted to get better service, like we had in the past. We're not looking to burn bridges." They cut us off, and then about a couple of days later, they ended up calling us back and saying they didn't apologize. They said, "Well, we'll reinstate your account and we'll let it be." Well, well everything since then has been. Why did they do that? Has been fine. 
Why did they do what? Why did they call back up we and have good state relationship. relationship? Yeah, we have good relationships. Because Dad did damage control. Oh, Dad did damage control? <laughs> all right. Dad called up and spoke to him. They didn't do anything He wrong. called all sorts of reps to figure out if this was something normal that this wholesaler did. It is something normal they did. They're kind of changing their way they go to market. But Yeah, you know, our company, since we've been here 99 years, we've got a lot of history with, with all the other distributors in this area. We've got a lot of history with all the manufacturer reps in this area. And so um, I can reach out to anybody in this area and have these conversations with them. You know, um, you've been doing business with us for generations. I've been doing business with you and your father. And so the fact that we've been here gives us a little bit of a, a leg up, a little bit of an advantage that I'll pick up the phone and talk to anybody. So listen, you can still have to perform at the same time. Yeah. Today, right? Yeah. yeah. But listen, we've been doing business with you for decades. If there's a bump in the road or an issue going on here, we're going to work through it because we've been here 99 years. We're planning to be another here another 99 years. Let's see what the problem is. Let's see where the issues are. Let's resolve these issues and let's move on. Right. You so. Justin, you want to add to the mistake pile? <laughs> Got a favorite? I have, I have some, so. Uh, I don't really make many mistakes, but when I do, I make them really good. Uh, <laughs> Most interesting just, man in the I, world I just over think here. growing as a person and taking on a role of not just being a salesman, but also the son of an owner that needs to show people how to do things better and need to be a teacher and not just somebody who does everything on their own and allocating stuff, different tasks to people. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I'm not worried. The pager's real. Sounds of your business. That's about it. I mean, just it, it's growing into a manager role where you have to be able to inspire people and not bring them down. Yeah, Justin is learning. He's learning that uh, in a family business that the the uh, family members need to work as hard, if not harder, than everybody else yeah. in the business. And also realize that a lot of the employees um, don't work as hard as you do. And uh, they don't have as much, uh, you know, to gain from that. And the employees only work at a certain level and only work so and they, hard. And they may assume things about you, yep. what you're getting or what... Where, yep. you're, where you're coming from. And uh, sometimes it's difficult to get uh, get people to work at, at the pace or the level that, that you expect them to work at. So, you you know, Justin's learning how to bring out the best in people and understand people's strengths and weaknesses and downplay the weaknesses and play up the strengths and how do we go about, about doing that without upsetting or alienating people and accepting people for who they are and what they are and their abilities. So, um, but everybody has their specialty. Like I'd say mine is relationships, right? <laughs> Showing us his phone and all the all the missed calls and 100, text 100 notifications for yeah, 20 Just, minutes. Justin's passionate and he's a, he's a good schmoozer. He's just like my father was and uh, people love him. And so they, Justin's got to understand that, that people come to him because, you know, he's, he's so caring and, and so interested in people and a uh, people person. and. Plus, he gets overwhelmed with everybody coming to him. And he's got to learn some way to delegate some of those things away because he's only one person. You have to yeah. learn how to use how to use someone for their strengths and then downplay their weaknesses so you can help encourage them. Hey, you're great at organizing. When you have free time, we're going to have you organize everything. Hey, you're not a good organizer? Great. We'll learn and find something And you're, you're talking about the other people within, Talk, within yeah, your general, business. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's, it's being a leader. It's being able to motivate your team members. Um, 
They're not employees. I don't look at them like that. They're, we're all one big team here. This guy's not gonna sell, the warehouse can't receive product. So we're all just one big wheel here. We're all in this together. We're a big family business. 99 years, we have many people that have been here for 20 plus years. Yep, that's testament, testament to the relationship. So what motivates each of you individually? What drives you? What, what keeps you keeps you advancing? I actually love what I do. Great. I actually really enjoy selling plumbing. Um, I can tell. I don't know why I like selling plumbing, but I love it. I love being able to to give someone the spiel on why this faucet is so good or upselling someone to from a Delta faucet to a Hans Grohe or even a Hans Grohe going up to a higher end faucet like a Fantini. I mean, it's just a lot of fun. That's, you're always learning. This is not a, it's not a stale business. Every single day, every single week, there's new products coming out. There's new technologies coming out. It's ever evolving. Um, we're part of all sorts of buying groups. We're part of um, different associations. Everybody is so welcoming, and everyone just, and the, great. Whole, the whole industry, there's just so much going on. There's always events, there's always more training sessions, there's, there's golf outings, there's seminars, there's training trips. If you're going to California, learn about um, different faucet manufacturing, trips to Japan, and Germany, and international kitchen and bath shows. There's just so much going on in the industry that it's just always fun, it's evolving. Um, I get to work with my family. How many other people can say, as much as I love them and hate them at the same time, it's really, it really is nice to be able to work with your family. Yeah, actually your a surprising a surprising number of businesses in the country are family businesses. They yeah. just, you know, some of the biggest ones do, but a little less attention. Yeah. But well, who else wants to go on sort of what drives, motivates, inspires you? Um, so I've always wanted to work in the business. As long as I can remember, I wanted to work at our downtown store. And I've always been motivated by family and making everybody's life better in our family and the way I knew how was just to go into the family business Very nice. and work your ass excuse my language work your butt off it's a podcast uh, <laughs> and work your butt off six days a week and make relationships and meet people and what I didn't know which I actually learned after was that the learning wasn't in school the learning all came after the fact and making these for me at least i should say making these relationships and learning about the product and i'm a touch see and feel guy so that really i'm learning every single day of the week great um for me i think it's just kind of like josh said there's always something happening in this industry and the fact that we have so many people who've been here for so long really is unique i mean i know like you said a lot of businesses in the U.S., maybe the majority of them are family businesses. I think 70% or something but like that. Yeah. I don't know many where you have roughly 50 employees and probably a dozen or a dozen and a half have been here our entire lives. I mean, we've grown yep, up with, I, these, with some of these our, people. Our company is the same. It's, it's wild. So for me, it's, you know, how do, we, how do we as a company find ways to create structure, to create processes, to be able to give back to our, to our family? The way that they've given us. Yeah, so that familyness, so that family story is inspiring. Yeah. I, I walk into my father's office, you know, and there's pictures of you as a little kid, and there's people who work there, and they're looking at that. I saw the wall nope. right there. Yeah, I saw the wall. There's also there's, our grandfather over there. Right. You know, so you did something right, obviously, coming home at night that wasn't a tone that dissuaded He dropped family from back in the day. We used to play hockey at 520s during the weeks, soccer, 
baseball, so, so swimming. Work-life balance before anybody was talking about it. He never put work first, ever. Ever, ever, ever. The one time work was first was when he was out of town on a work trip. Otherwise, right. he dropped his work at five o'clock, he coached us the JCC at 520 for hockey, he coached every sporting team we've ever played on. And I never, ever, ever realized how awesome that was because we treated him like crack. We yelled, we screamed, and now I realize yeah. how great it was. I ran around like a chicken with my head cut off. You know, ran to work every morning, left work, ran to the sporting events, coached the sporting events, ran to dinner, and started the whole cycle. I, all, all I asked over. about technology. I'm guessing, were you one of like, you had a cell phone in, earlier than others in the car? Or? You know, my father, believe it or not, in his early my years, father. was the first to have yeah. cell phones, you know, the suitcase cell phone. Right. Before that, he used to have a phone in the car where you'd pick it up and call the operator. Right. And the operator would connect you. He was the earliest with cell phones. So, we always were into cell phones, and then uh, every generation of typewriter we had. Yeah, and then uh, my dad's later years, he uh, at a certain point that was it with technology. He was done. The next tell, next tell was it. Yeah, <laughs> pushed next to talk, and then when the done. internet showed up, and texting showed up, and computers to run your company showed up, he shut down. He was done, and uh, you know I had a big company next level, so we, we needed to computerize, and so I brought the computers in. However, my we had, at that time, I came into business in 85 and in 1990. Also, also a common story, that late 80s, oh, early 90s God, computerization yeah. of businesses. So in yeah. 1990, I started location in Walled Lake and we got into the decorative stuff out there and I was running that location and I ended up computerizing that location. He would not let me computerize the Detroit location until the day he passed away in 2012. Yep. Yep. September. September 2012. And uh, so uh, that's when I, I so I've always, invested in technology always want the way to stay ahead of in this in this business any business is technology is evolving yeah. so fast and that's why you know i rely on the boys and, and encourage the boys to bring in the technology what it is whatever it is the latest the greatest technology that's out there let's bring it in my dad you know discouraged it but that's uh, that's how you stay ahead and stay competitive so obviously i've encouraged him to bring to bring it in and uh you know, Josh obviously was the first one to come into the business, and uh, when Josh wanted to come into the business, the economy was horrible. Yeah, 2012, so and, just recovering. Yeah, and his uh, his mother said to me, uh, you know, Josh was not bringing me anything into the business. I wanted Josh to go out in the real world, get experience. Once you get experience, bring it back. But there wasn't an option for her, for him because all of his friends had to move out of state to get jobs. So, and I wanted him to go get experience. So his mother told me that listen. My son has to go out of state to get a job. We're going to have issues. So Josh started working for me. That's great. So he's learning. He's yeah, I mean, you've got to encourage, you know, some families, I don't know that I discouraged my girls who are roughly your age, or encouraged, you know, you don't want to push away. You don't want to be overly trying right. to pull them in because young boys will rebel, right? Right. So you've seen both of that. Uh, put on, are, are, do any of you have children? Not yet. Not yet. So there's there's the dream of and the design of fifth generation being involved, but not on the horizon yet. Not on the horizon. Uh, even still, away. I mean, for you know, representing founders and second and third and fourth generation, what what advice would you give to other people in those multi generational businesses uh, from from your own perspective or 
things that you'd like people to know? Because that's that's kind of the idea of this Generation Excellence podcast is to kind of talk about generational family businesses and share that with others who find themselves in that setting. I would say for the parents of the kids, let them find their way. Don't be um, don't be so on top of them, I guess, and, and force them to do certain things. Let them find their way in the family business. Let them find their way for what they can bring to the company. Don't just expect them to come in and do this one thing. Let them grow, throw everything at them, and let them find their path. That's what my father did. He threw everything at me. I came in with my desk covered in papers, and he goes, here you go, start working, and eventually found my way through. Um, and the other thing, for as, the, as the son of the company is, you have to remember your family's, your parents or your, your father, your grandfather, your uncle, they've been doing this for a long time before you. They've been running the business, they've been doing a great job running it, that's why you're able to come into the business. So they're gonna be hesitant on changing their ways as well. They've been doing a good job and running it perfectly. So if you have a new idea, you need to bring all ammunition to with yeah. that idea. Don't just say, Dad, I'm changing the website because I wanna change the website. Before you spend $25,000 on redoing your website, tell him why you wanna change that website. Well, we're going to add all the products to it. We're going to add a shopping cart to this. We're going to be able to create picture packages, spec packages, an extension of our showroom. So I've learned that. I always just go to my dad and say, hey, you know what? I want to do this. But why? We have this. I want to. And it took me about five years to finally realize, oh, I need to give him the numbers. It's going to cost this much. We're going to recoup it in this much. It's going to do this for the sales team. It's going to do this for the warehouse. And that's when I can make things happen. When I did my research and gave all the information to him, so that he was comfortable with me making the decision. So similar, was, similar playbook that you had, Jeff, working with your father and prior <laughs> generations, or so. I really worked uh, full time about five years with my with my father, and uh, he was he was old school back then. There was no change. Uh, so fortunately, for those five years, uh, I learned, and then in the sixth year. We opened, I opened a new location, and then, um, you know, I spent a lot of the time making my own decisions, my own mistakes, and growing the business the way I wanted it to grow. And um, the fact that we were separated, that he was doing his thing in Detroit, and I was doing my thing out in Wald Lake, although we had a lot of synergies and sure. crossovers there, um, I think um, I was able to do what I needed to do without him uh, discouraging, but there's been plenty of that. I mean, you know, uh, he, he, a lot of things I had to not let him know what I'm doing because he didn't believe in it. Uh, he wouldn't agree with it. He wouldn't let me do it. Um, you know, the computers were the perfect example. Would not computerize at all. And, uh, you know, I would move forward with all of my ideas and technologies. And I don't think he was as uh, receptive to it, open to all this new stuff. He was tired ran his course, the business was what it was, and he was happy. And I was young and full of energy. Full of, yeah, and, yeah. Wanted to and now the boys are here, they're young and full of energy, and I'm tired, <laughs> but I'm not holding the back. Right. You know, let's hear your ideas. I'm all for new ideas, I understand it. And obviously, with this opportunity in the city of Detroit to relocate uh, the location to Midtown Detroit, and a much more efficient operation of beautiful well, it wasn't a beautiful building when we got it. It was a yeah, I've seen the pictures a horrible and rundown. But it was it, we always said it was the right location. It was it was uh, what we call twenty thousand square feet on one level in a safe area because I had my boys; they had to be safe. And we had a parking lot, and those were the criteria. 
other than that, it didn't matter. So we got a building that was old and decrepit and run down and we breathed life back into it. We invest a lot of money and it's a gorgeous building now. It, it uh, won tons of awards. We got a beautiful UNESCO design award for our exterior uh, out there. We beautified Cass Avenue. We put the first uh, ever decorative showroom in the city of Detroit. We recreated the historical facade on Cass Avenue, and we got an award for, for that as well as for our showroom. So we've got a lot of awards and a lot of accolades for everything we've done. The community is, is you know, ecstatic about it. Um, they're excited about it. The mayor did ribbon cuttings for us. So the boys came into this business uh, just at the right time. You know, the city of Detroit just started to catch fire and the boys were coming into the business. So it was the perfect scenario. Well, it's an interesting thing about that idea of advice for other family members, generous. Some of it is just timing. I mean, it is timing. You can't control timing, but- You can't control timing. Time, you know, life is, and timing matters a lot. Ironically, yeah. the economy was horrible. So I had the, no choice. Josh had to come into business, ready or not, he had to come into, into the business. Uh, Justin was not going to hear no, so he came in. Um, Andrew's got a lot of experience out there. You know, he graduated with a master's in urban planning at U of M. He's worked for Bedrock. He's worked for Stand with us. He's worked. He's going to work for DT Energy. He's getting a master's in uh, an MBA at Michael's School of Business. So Andrew's uh, he has a lot of worldly experience in bringing it in. Uh, you know, Josh and Justin, the timing was good, perfect timing for for that. The city of Detroit was taken off, and without them. You know, uh, we couldn't have embraced this this resurgence in Detroit to the extent that we have. And Andrew, you're embracing education, and you seem passionate about that. But it, what, what what advice would you give? You know, you're too young to write the advice to your younger self. So just you know, what advice would you give to other people um, in a similar setting? You know, from from what I've seen, really growing up outside the business and going to work for other businesses, I think there's this there's this break when a family business really starts to break down and ultimately fail, where that new generation stops caring about legacy and starts caring about money. And the second you make that switch into seeing family business as a way to maintain a lifestyle and not as your fixture of the the community and that everyone in it is part of that family, I think you really start to see failure. And for any family business out there, I think you have to go in with the mindset of this is bigger than me. Whatever I do is going to be great, but I'm not the only reason we're successful. I'm not the only reason we're going to fail, but we're going to do this together no matter what. And whether we make money, we lose money, whether we break even, doesn't matter. I appreciate you bringing that up because I've been doing a short series of these podcasts with other people who are second or third or whatever generation in pretty unique family businesses. And for the most part, money hasn't been part of the discussion. I mean, it, it hasn't been topic, nor have those businesses been just lifestyles so somebody can kind of have fun and just keep going. Like they're trying to keep that legacy alive and stronger and improving and, and all that. Any any advice from your perspective? It sounds like the firewall was to keep you from coming into business at 12. Like yes. you're, you're just... Um, I guess my first thing would definitely be is it's not the easy way out and you have to work hard every single day. And the second thing is, is to always remember what your end goal is, why you decided to come into the family business. And that for me is, is to help my family grow as a family, to take care of my own future family. And I think that's very important to remember every day when you're mad at them or when you're not because Friday night comes or Sunday night comes 
you're going to have dinner with them and you're going to see them because they're family and that's what, at least in our family, that's what we did. Great. And I think it's, it, it, I still believe it's important for uh, the kids to go out there in the real world and get experience working for other people and to bring those experiences back to them, back to the family business. Totally agree. Yeah. Um, the more experience they get out there in the real world and then come back, um, the easier their transition is going to be, the more they're going to have a better understanding of everything. And um, we, we wrote a written policy, future generation family to come in the business has to have, I think it's five to six years successful work experience outside the business. I think that's critical, but timing is... Can, it could knock that, that sideways. That's yes. what happened. In, you know, when the, when the boys graduated, we were dealing with you know coming out of one of the worst economic times in, in our history, and those options weren't there. The jobs weren't there. Right. Which is incredible. Yeah, it's who, easy who to write the, the written statement. That? And anything else I forgot to ask or touch on about the the this ninety nine year going on a hundred year legacy? It's a great story. I believe I'm a customer. Can, I end, it, can I end it with a joke? Please t take us out. We, we have editing ability, so there's, go for it. There's two rules in, in the family business. Okay. Rule number one, boss is always right. Rule number two is if the boss is wrong, please refer to rule number one. And everything is good from there. <laughs> we had to put that rule into play in certain points. Kind of had to have some, have like, some boundaries and I all that kind of stuff. I think 2012 when Josh came in is when that rule went into place, right? It did. Okay. It did, no matter no matter what I did, I was always wrong. So we had to make rules. Well, I appreciate all your time and, and, and thank thank all of you. Was there any thought of a J name for a third son or was it no, just, it okay. Was, it was Jeff, Josh, Justin, and it got so complicated at okay. that point. I said, we I'm can't Jamie, do this. so it gets complicated. It didn't help, our first family dog was an A2. Yeah. So it was Jeff, Aspen. Josh, Justin, Andrew, Aspen. Yeah. It was not easy in our household, it was, it was all J's and A's. Yeah, we had to, we had to change. Well, it sounded cute at first, but then For the Detroiters who listen, come visit the Advanced Plumbing award-winning showroom. I, yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Generation Excellence is hosted by me, Jamie Michelson, with help from SMZers Eric Freiberger, Sam Daly, Eric Head, and Joel Bienenfeld. Thanks also to Randy and his team at Stage 3 Audio. Thank you for listening, and please give some of the other episodes a try. One more thing. If you have comments or a suggested future guest, please don't be afraid to contact me.